You are Locked On 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, 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 welcome to Locked On 76ers. I'm your host, Keith Pompey. Look, y'all, I got my boy T. Will with me today. I'm just going to let y'all know. T. Will is going to try to bring some fire today. So what you, you mean make try, one of, man? Uh, what you need to do is y'all just need to sit down and listen. I don't know what my man going to say, but I just know he's a little amped up this morning. But look, y'all, happy Wednesday to you. It's Wednesday, March the 27th. We got three segments. The first one is going to be on what's the solution for the 76ers' two bad losses. I'll give you the solution. Hold on. What's the solutions to the 76ers, two bad losses? I'm telling you, man, the guy is hyped up. You better bring it, bro. You better bring it. So, you know, we know the losses to the Hawks. We know the losses to um, the Orlando Magic. The second segment, segment is, are the Sixers too comfortable with the, second, uh, with the third seed? You know, all they keep talking about is we want to get the third seed. We want to get the third seed. They kind of messed up. Because they could be battling for the second seed right about now. And then in the third segment, who's going to be the 76ers' first-round opponent? With that, it's time to let my man T-Will get some stuff off his chest. Because I'm telling y'all, I traveled here yesterday, and all my man kept talking about is how upset he is over these two losses. What's going on, bro? First off, man, let me start by this. If you're not a Sixers fan and you're not upset, and you don't have a bitter taste in your mouth after losing to two dog teams like Atlanta and Orlando. Granted, Orlando's fighting for the AFC, but they are a dog team to your starting five. Then turn into turn in your Sixer fan key now, all right? Turn in your Sixer shirts, turn in your Sixers hats, and don't watch because for it's, a, it's blasphemy how people are going to say that you're not supposed to be upset, and it's just one game that you came out and played like trash against Atlanta, okay? You had no energy, you had no pep in your step, and you let Atlanta take it to you. Your defense was poor, it's been poor all year, your rotations was crap, and everyone wants to point the finger at the coach. But let me tell you something, as much as I get on the coach, I'm actually going to stick up for the coach. You know why? Because the coach put them on the court, and had the same rotations he had with that win against Boston, where I thought everyone was up up in arms saying, oh, man, the sun is out. The blue skies are out. We finally beat Boston. You was happy with that kind of win? If Marcus Smart wasn't so stupid and got himself kicked out of the game, Gordon Hayward didn't play, that was an okay win. They should have won that game. All right? Boston was down and out. They should have won that game, but and the Sixers did. But they were losing the entire game until Marcus Smart woke up uh, Joel Embiid. So, you start, you start off with Atlanta, okay? You give up 127 points to the Atlanta Hawks. How many, how many wins they got this year? 10? 12? They don't got that many wins. You go down there off a two-day rest, and you got the snot kicked out of you. Then you travel one day rest, and you come to Orlando, and you lay another egg. All right, that's cool, bro. I got you. Chill, though. I come on, chill. man. You got to chill. That, that so, shouldn't happen. I mean, it shouldn't happen, but it happened. So, so which one's the I trap game? They got trapped in both games. They shot themselves in the foot. Yeah, I get you. I understand what you're saying, but you know what? They, got, they have eight more games left. 
right now we got to try and out, find out what the solutions are. I mean, like you said, they have to bring it. Now, I'll be honest with you. You got to blame. You have to blame everyone. You got to blame the coach. You got to blame. You got to blame the players. And also, you got to blame the coach for putting them in those positions. So the solutions are like you got to you got to find a way to play better defense. I hold. You got to find a way to play a better defense. Personally, you know what? Here's my thing. If you got a guy like Jonathan Simmons who's supposed to be, and I talked about this a little bit yesterday, but if you got a guy like Jonathan Simmons who's supposed to be a defensive stopper. When you got him here, you just can't, like, give him these DM, uh, DMPs. Now, guess what? I know his wrist is messed up. His shot isn't there. But you need somebody out there that's going to help you defensively. I mean, you are. Like, right now, what you doing? You know, what they doing? They are here shooting. They shot 67% in the first quarter. Keith, I'm right? looking they down shot, the bench. I mean, you're looking down the bench. But what I'm saying is you need to get somebody. You need to do that. You know what I mean? Maybe they should have, like, you know, they – they got, I mean, they couldn't get anybody on the buyout market. You know who they, they should have had? Who? Corey Brewer. They should have signed him. They yeah, let they him go. But yeah, they could have. But that was a tough one right then and there because they were trying to get the roster together and all that. I understand. They were trying to make these trades. Now, the problem is, it's like, you know, you know, the solution is you can tell beforehand. We were all talking about how this was a team that Joel Embiid was hurt. They didn't have any time to gel. So then they go out there and they win six close games. And then all of a sudden, everyone was saying how good they were. And now you look at it, and they look like a team that hasn't gelled yet. Dudes don't know where they should be on a defense. Yeah. And if you notice, there's a lot of times where Joel, he's like the quarterback of the gym. So he tells guys like you know where they should be and this and that. Well, you just came back. Dudes don't know where they are. They getting like they getting like bombs over Baghdad on them. Well, technically, over that that uh, six game stretch, the six out of seven that they looked pretty good, and won those close games. They won wire to wire in Milwaukee. That was a good win. I'll give them that. But I'm not going to let them off the hook, especially not scoring for over 12 minutes. You can have a rebound and have a someone leak out for a layup. Yeah, again, but what's the solution? Here's the solution. You can't get complacent. They're complacent. I'm telling you. They have no fire right now coming out against bad teams because they're looking at the bad teams thinking they can turn it on, turn it off real quick, and they're not that type of team. You know it. I know it. Dude, I think they may not be as good as everybody hyping them up to be. To be that real. could be possibly true. I mean, true. complacency, I get it. I get it. But – I just don't think that because like that that defensive stuff, man. Like, they're missing. I mean, let's be honest. Like, I don't think that. I they're mean, missing they, Lloyd Pierce. Let's yeah, call let's call yeah, a spade yeah, a spade. Yeah, yeah. He ran the defense since he was here. That and the defense, uh, Billy Lang. He didn't run the defense. He was the offensive guy. They bring in Monty. Monty wants to do the offense. That's already been out there now. So Billy has to do the defense. You don't think Lloyd Pierce didn't know how to expose that? Of course, of course. The solution, man, is they got they need something that's going to drive them to come out against these bad teams and bury these dull teams. And they had it. You you mentioned it in the opening segment. You they had it with possibly getting the second seed, possibly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, all right. Um, but I think the solution is to be honest with you. you want to be a hundred percent. The solution is. 
you can't rest players. That's the solution. I understand that everybody wants to say you got to get you you don't want to get them tired. You don't want to do this and that. But right now they need time to gel. They don't. They, they they look like a group. They look like an AAU team playing in national tournament. But they do. They they they. No, seriously. I'm not trying to. I'm being real. Like they look like a team where you got a guy from Kentucky, a guy from LA, a guy from Texas, from all. You know what I mean? They just came together and like, all right, y'all. Big melting we pot. All right, y'all, we got the best talent in the world, but we're going to go out here and win. But then when you realize it, it takes more than that. You got to know where the guy is going to be. You got to do this and that. And then, you know, right now it's kind of sort of like, here's the problem, man. Like, you know, Jimmy Butler is a ball handler, right? But he's not really a point guard. Now, he is, he's he's good. But when you have Ben Simmons, TJ McConnell, as the only two real point guards on the on the roster, and then you got to come out and you got to give Jimmy extended minutes there, and then so it's like, whoa, you know, it's like whoa. So you take one of, I mean, it's just it's it's like they got a lot of holes, man. Well, so you are you're not okay with running the offense through Jimmy? Because I like it. Listen, I like I'm running okay the offense. What I'm trying Jimmy. to say is, but this is what I'm not. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm not okay with it. Like I, what I'm trying to say is that you know you don't have typically an NBA team has three point guards, three. They don't have three. So the problem is, is like what you're doing now is you have Jimmy playing with Ben. Sometimes Jimmy's running the offense. Sometimes you have Ben. Then you bring TJ in, and a lot of times Jimmy on it. It's there are certain times where. You know, Jimmy is good for Jimmy to always run it, distribute the offense, and do what he has to do. But at the same time, you need a point guard. You need another point guard. Last night, you had TJ McConnell and Jimmy, right? And then you had Shake running a little bit, and he did a little bit in college, but he's a combo guard. That's the problem. They just don't have it. So, like, all the solutions in the world are cool, but when you look at their roster, they don't have another point guard. And that they goes back one. to what we talked about before, the lack of depth on the bench. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, I got you. It's the lack of depth on the bench, depth on the bench but my thing is, hey, dude, I mean. You got to work with what you have, and, you know, we can look at championship teams. Who's the point guard uh, when yeah. Uh-huh. With Cleveland, you know, who's a point guard? Where the ball, yeah, where the ball you. run through with LA? Yeah, but, but it went through and through Kobe. It didn't run through uh, Tyron Lue or Derek Fisher. Yeah, hold up, hold up. The ball ran through Kobe, but Kobe had some solid point guards with him. It's it's a fact. You know, it's just a fact. You know what I'm saying? I get all that, but we talking about Kobe, dude. Come on, man. I like Jimmy Butler, but he ain't Kobe. Come on, man. I'm not like, comparing you know, Kobe know, to Jimmy. I'm, I'm just comparing the situation of. You saying that the point guard, the Sixers have lack of depth of point guard. They need a point guard. Think about this. Think about this. Ever since Brett Brown and I've been the coach, they had three point guards in staff. Sometimes they had more. Right. They have two. They have Ben Simmons. They reversed. <laughs> they have, they, right now they have two Ben Simmons and TJ McConnell. That's it. That's it. And then so then Jimmy, yes, Jimmy is a ball-dominant player. He's a ball-dominant player. He's just starting small forward slash point guard whenever Ben's not playing. 
last night. And there are certain games when Jimmy, like, you can't expect Jimmy to do everything. Don't get me wrong. He has a high basketball IQ, a high basketball IQ. You know, two nights ago in Orlando, he was out there orchestrating everything. All I'm trying to say is to take some of that off of him so he can go ahead and, like, do what he does, you know, get the lobs, do all this other stuff. Because think about it. You got to run the point, and you got to know where everybody is. And then at the same time, you got to come back and get all these stops and do all this other stuff. That's a lot, man. It's the NBA. Nah, you know what? That you know, like the thing is, dude. I, I get what you're saying, but it's some dudes that don't do that. You know what I mean? Like they just they they special because when you run in the point, I'm just saying like you control you can, the game. You control the game, but then they want you to guard the other team's best perimeter player. Right. That's a lot, man. Right. That's just a lot. It's, it's a so heavy he, task. It's a heavy task. So all I'm saying is, it's just that you know, on an now. Don't get me wrong. When everybody's healthy, is okay. Because then you have been doing it sometimes. TJ comes in. But when you go up and, you un- and you're under And you're minus one. And you're minus one. Yeah. That's a tough task. Yeah. But look, for this one, let's talk about, let's hurry up and get into this second segment in a few, you know, about are the Sixers too comfortable with being the second seed? What do you think about that, T. Will? Are the Sixers too comfortable with being the second seed? The what? The <clears throat> excuse me. The 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 way they've been playing the last couple games, it sure does look like right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looks like they're too comfortable. You know, they had an opportunity. They had an opportunity to uh, pull that second seed. They had an opportunity to close the gap between them and Toronto. Toronto's not playing well at all right now. You know, so. There's no focus. There's no intensity, and it looks like just from the outside looking in that they shut down against these bad teams. When right now you don't have the op- you don't have the team to shut down and be relaxed against poor teams. You still have to keep the foot on the pedal and keep driving till you hit the finish line, which is the end of the season going into the playoffs. You want to be playing your best basketball going into the playoffs. And right now, you're not playing your best basketball. So you have a matchup coming up against uh, Brooklyn, correct? Yeah. You have a matchup coming up against Brooklyn. So the way you've been playing right now, and you going up against Brooklyn, who's fighting, who possibly could be your first-round matchup as well, you know, I would expect you to be playing your best basketball at this point down the stretch, and they're not doing it. Yeah, and in regards to being too comfortable, I mean, I, I will say that because I feel like what happened is it got to a point where, you know, you look at Milwaukee and you look at Toronto like weeks ago, and you say to yourself, like, there's no way we're going to catch them. There's no way. You and I talked yeah, about that. Yeah, we talked that. about that. There's no way they're going to catch them. And, you know, you brought up a point, you know, earlier today where you said, look, if the Sixers, and you even tweeted this, if the Sixers would have won these two games against losing teams, they would have been tied. Well, Toronto does have the tiebreaker on So they would have been, but they would have both had, they would have been in third, but they would have had the same record. And you never know with the Sixers' record being as, well, we thought it was easy, but the Sixers' record being <laughs> yeah, right? easy, they could have messed around and had the second seed, right? Just let that so, think about that. So, the second seed. They, they, could have, they could have messed around and had that. So what I'm thinking about is as far as, like, getting too comfortable, 
Yeah, I think that it got to a point where they looked at the other two teams' schedule, right? We're talking about Boston, and we're talking about the Pacers. Right. And then all of a sudden, it's like, all right, we got these other teams. And if you look at it, like, for instance, you know, they're maybe not practicing as hard as they could. You know what I mean? Like they're trying to, they're trying to, uh, they're trying to preserve people for the playoffs. Got their chest you know, stuck they, out off yeah, the last wins. Well, yeah, all that. But also think that I think, yeah, I think what happens is you get caught up in, in like the hype. Not really the hype, but it's like you're trying to deliver a team to the playoffs, and you're looking at the records, you're looking at schedules. So what it is is it's kind of like, yo, in two weeks or three weeks. It's going to get crazy. We know that. So how do we deliver these guys to make sure they're all healthy, to make sure they get some burn, this and that, but at the same time do it? And I do think that they took it a step over. If like they had to do it all over again, I think, because let's face it, after you beat Minnesota, then you play Charlotte, right, and then you beat the Celtics, you know, like you said in the opening segment, you're looking at these two games, even though they match up, you don't match up quite well against them. But you're looking at it like this gonna be a breeze. This gonna be a breeze down south until we come back and play Brooklyn. Especially with that starting five supposed to be the best starting five in the East. So yeah. I agree. Yeah, I, agree I, I, I do think it's the best starting five in the East, but I haven't seen it. You just have to gel together. I mean, they don't. They haven't played well together. And then you know, it's like JJ Redick. You know, he got out of his slump. He's getting back into it. So, you know, the third segment, where we, when we get back from this uh, commercial break, you know, who's going to be the Sixers' first-round opponent? It seems like Miami is creeping up there, bro. So, I'm going to ask you again, who's going to be the Sixers' first-round opponent? It's tough, man. That Them bottom three teams are a uh, game, game and a half away from each other. Detroit... Brooklyn and uh, Miami, and uh, it looks like it's going to be a dogfight. And uh, not, let's not forget Orlando's still on the outside looking in by a, uh, a game, game and a half, something like that. So, you know, I personally think for matchup, matchup uh, implications, I'd like to see the uh, Sixers uh, go up against Detroit. I think they would have an easier uh, time that. Uh, Against Detroit, they match up better with Detroit. And B kind of, as he says, has real estate in uh, Drummond's head. And, um, you know, I don't think Blake Griffin will score 50-plus points every game against the Sixers. As you know, the playoffs, it's more intensity. Everything's turned up an extra notch. So I'd like to see if uh, see the Sixers play Detroit before they move into the second round. But, you know, Brooklyn is right there. Brooklyn is right there, and Brooklyn has given us problems this year. So, you know, let's see what we do against – let's see what the Sixers do against Brooklyn tomorrow night, uh, Thursday night, and then, uh, you know, this team, this Sixers team that we have here, and then we'll we'll go from there. But I like Detroit. Uh, I, I'd like to see Detroit first round. Now look, for y'all who – for who y'all who are new to this podcast – you know, what I do is I have my man T-Will on maybe once, twice a week. If I can get on a lot of times, I don't because of travel schedule. But again, like I told you, I arrived back in, in the Philly area yesterday. So the thing that's unique about him is 
is, you know, I always want to get a guy on that's a fan. And I think T. Will is a pretty good fan of the Sixers. So from time to time, T. Will is going to say we, us. He tries to switch it up and say Sixers. But T. Will is a diehard Sixers fan. And that's why. No, hold up. But that's why I have him on here. Because he brings a fan perspective to the podcast. So if any of y'all listen to him, like, hey, why is he saying we and us? Because he's a fan. And he brings a fan perspective. Although the brother did get his degree in in, uh, broadcasting. But at the same time, he's a Sixers fan. <laughs> so that's why I have my man on here, just to let me know what the fans are thinking. But you are right. Now, here's the thing. Detroit is the team for them to play. Now, I hate to say this, but if Miami could creep up, you, uh, you know, I don't, I mean, if I'm the Sixers, I want to stay far away from Brooklyn. But if Miami could creep up, which I don't think they will, but if they could... It's Ooh. a possibility, you know. You can see Dwayne Wade again one last time, and we saw how physical that was last year. Granted, it was our first time in the playoffs, so it was a little bit of experience being that physical against a well-coached team. Eric Spolster is a hell of a coach. So yeah, I should, I he's a hell of a coach to do. You know, to do what he's doing yeah. down there in Miami. Yeah. So I'll give him his props, but, you know, I, I want to stay as far away from the Brooklyns and the Miamis. I think they have an easier road to the second uh, second uh, round of playing Detroit. It's just a better matchup. You know, it's, it's, basketball is like fights. You know, you got certain fighters that have different, that different matchups, different seeding. And, you know, one fighter might be dominant over next, but that fighter's not dominant over him. And that's how, you know, when the playoffs come around, that's how it is. They're going to be jockeying for position and stuff. The Sixers just have a better matchup against Detroit. They match up well against Milwaukee. They match up well against Indiana. So there's certain teams that they match up really well that I wouldn't worry too much about from a fan's perspective. But the Sixers always got to stay on their toes and make sure they come out and play aggressive every game. Here's something I'm just looking at. So you look at the Sixers right now, right? So the Sixers have the fifth best record against conference foes. I mean, you you got Milwaukee 37 and 10. You have Toronto and Indiana 30 and 15. You have Boston 29 and 15. And the Sixers 28 and 18, right? Mm -hmm. Now, you look at the Sixers' record against the division. Now, we're talking about Boston, Toronto, Brooklyn, and Knicks. The Sixers are 7 and 8. So, you know, it's like... Huh? You said the Knicks. Oh, the Sixers. We're talking about the Sixers. The Sixers. The Sixers are (laughs) 7 and 8. Now, what's the Knicks' record? Well, I I don't even want to look at the Knicks' win. Oh, dang, the Knicks are like 2-13. and 13. I wonder who they lost. I mean, who they beat. <laughs> but anyway, so the Sixers are like 7-8. and eight. Now, that's not good, man. I'm I mean, not comfortable with that. That, that. That's not good. And then, like, the, when you look at it, the fifth best record in the East. So, man, like, away, like, okay, they at home, they're... 20 at home, they're 29 and 9. Stellar at Away, home. they're 18 and 18, a 500 ball club. And that's why they say they, as in the Sixers, put out there, we'd like to get home court advantage through the playoffs. You had an opportunity. Let's let, let, paint the scenario, okay? 
Toronto with their with them not playing well. Sixers catch fire. They take the second seed. Milwaukee gets knocked out. Who's got home court throughout the playoffs? Yeah. You I shot guess. yourselves in the foot. You had an opportunity just to make it interesting. I'm not going to say that you had you were you were guaranteed the second seed. But you had an opportunity to make it interesting. You never know what's going to happen in the playoffs. What's Milwaukee's record against Miami, Orlando, or, or Brooklyn? You know, that I think that Brooklyn and Milwaukee's a good matchup for Brooklyn. Yeah. So if Brooklyn slides down to the AFC, they take out the Bucks. Giannis can't do everything. Meritage is hurt. Middleton's been off. You know, so anything can happen. And I will say the Sixers do have eight games left, so anything can happen within that time. Hey, let's think it. A week ago, everybody was talking about how good they were. Now people are saying, wow, what's going on? I think it's going to be an ebb and flow where it's going to go it's up It's going to be like down, this the next eight and, games. Yeah, next eight games. So you never know what's going to happen. Um, for them, they need to hurry up and turn stuff around. <laughs> for you... You need to just relax and stop getting on these rants. But I understand it. I appreciate it. And That'll I never happen because I am a fan. Yeah. I am a fan. And fans are going to rant. Especially when they see their team not playing up to the expectations they need to be playing. Yeah, but it ain't worth that, bro. I want to see you. Uh, <laughs> you know, don't, <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? It ain't worth it. You'll be all right. But <laughs> look, look. Hey, I want to thank y'all for listening. <laughs> I want to thank, uh, thank Only my man for being on here. Only if y'all see what happens behind the scenes. If y'all could just see what happens behind the scenes. Yeah, I know, right? I want y'all. <laughs> I want to thank my man T. Will for being on here. He'll be back next week. Always a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. All right, y'all. Peace. Um, by the way, he always clowns me for my welcome, welcome, welcome. But I've been saying it for so long that I don't know what I'm going to say. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Hello, hello, hello. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. We out. Peace. <laughs>